Greetings, nerds. This is Seen and Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very, very well. Nice and relaxed and rejuvenated, so uh, I'm ready to talk some talk some new shows tonight. So unfair. I'm, like, not feeling rejuvenated at all i'm i'm at like where you were probably a week or two ago where you're like i can see the vacation it's just not here yet yeah 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 i was that way definitely that way yeah it was it was nice to 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 get out of dodge and be away from pretty much all responsibilities and only only the only responsibility i had was like okay uh did i like pack the sunblock or not and that was, that was like the, that was like the deepest thought i had oh, <laughs> Otherwise, the sunblock yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I, I, I guess it's an alaskan thing like who needs sunblock you just yeah. go out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you, you definitely need it you definitely need it when you're sitting sitting on the coast so uh yeah but it was it was a good weekend and but i did watch krypton while on break can't wait to talk to you about it who who didn't watch krypton i mean why more people need to watch the show because it's good it's It's good good. yeah yeah and i forgot about it like i i am surprised that i didn't go back rewatch any of the first season episodes and i was kind of getting anxious i was like is this going to be a bad idea to go into season two episode one and in like the first 15 minutes i spent a lot of time like wondering to myself what the heck are they talking about (laughs) they they use they've created an entire culture and we're just going to jump into krypton talk i'm sorry i can't help it yeah let's do it it's will's fault he's like let's talk krypton okay (laughs) <laughs> well, I am the producer, so. <laughs> well, they they take they they've created a Krypton as being a culture, a basically a world. So there's a lot of lingo that you have to refamiliarize yourself with. So I spent a, like that first 15 minutes just being a bit lost in translation, and then slowly things got place back together and then the moment when spoiler alert seg and adam reunite mm-hmm. that that their chemistry makes this show for me yeah. i just love those two characters like and i forgot like how much they're good because even in season one they didn't have a lot of on-screen time together because there was a lot of angst going on with some secrets and revelations but in this episode, it's just like, no, these are your, this is your buddy cop. Like, these two people who, in any other timeline, would never be placed together are, are all of a sudden, like, dependent on one another. And they they just bounce really well off of each other. Yeah, yeah. They, I'm so glad you brought their relationship up because they truly are the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. It's their, their relationship and, for, I, and I, like you, I... I intended on watching, rewatching season one to, to, to refresh my memory as far as what happened. I mean, I definitely, obviously, I remember the end clearly as far as Seg getting placed into the uh, Phantom Zone to uh, by, by Val Valel, his um, his grandfather, and and so I remember the basics of what happened with Seg and Brainiacs 
showdown at the end of the first season. You know, there were a lot of other plot points, like, for example, Vorax, yes, the son of Seg and Nyssa. Mm-hmm. I, for, I had forgotten about that, uh, that they had that child, and also the fact that Nyssa was uh, was a clone. So there were some things that during the episode, whenever they were dropping di- lines of dialogue, things started coming back to me. But what I really liked about this show is it had a six-month time jump. It and I think some of the complaints about the first season was it took a while to build the world. With this, with, with season two, it jumped right into the action. Right. And we 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 don't have a lot of a lot of just general exposition. We we really have a lot of energy out of the gate in in this first episode. Right. You, you know, it, it's funny because you it, it caught me off guard how much. We got placed right in the middle of action. Like for us, it's been six months, but for these cl- characters, clearly not. I mean, they purposely in the last season took Adam out of the picture so that we could see this pilot through his eyes as he's just returning to Krypton in the past, having already visited the future of Earth, which I mean, I I immediately picked on the whole Nissa kid clone thing. I forgot what they did with Adam. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. and even the way they played it off, it made it seem like, oh, he was just going off and doing some rogue mission. Oh, that's right. Remember that time when he ended up on Earth again with a completely different future? Yeah. 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 We get. Yeah. Baniac had conquered the Earth and Detroit is instead of the. uh we had the symbol of Zod, Drew Zod, in the middle of the town square, you know, kneel to Zod. <laughs> right. It, right. It's yeah. not that Bereniak conquered the Earth. Zod first took over, and then something happened where right. Bereniak bottled up the Earth and right. added it on his whatever you want to call it, his his he's gauntlet. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see Just what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crossing universes. I, what what were your thoughts on because and I was worried about this. I really was. Another thing that caught me off guard was they did not spend an episode. They did not spend two episodes with Seg just being stuck in the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. They spent about 20 minutes yep. and I'm pretty sure that's all I ever needed. And I'm really glad they did that. Not because it wasn't interesting, but because Seg is such a big part of it. Like it's the main character. Yeah. You can only go so long without him. And they kind of scapegoated it because it's not that they immediately put him back on Krypton, nope. but they, they maneuvered him out of that area. But just, before we touch on that, visiting Brainiac's home planet, what are your thoughts on the way they made the Phantom Zone appear? You know, that is a good question. We see various iterations of the Phantom Zone. It was the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. The Phantom Zone was this basically large uh, – we, we weren't in it, but we saw Zod and the other two criminals – caught in the phantom zone in a basically like crystal shield that was twirling through space. And then I think a man is still when, uh, Zod was captured in it. Um, 
it was his big the big device sucking him up in it. So this is our first time in it, mm-hmm. and and it was visually. I I, I thought. Uh, honestly, I thought, man, they gotta gotta increase in the budget for season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, but it was otherworldly. I think I think they did a good job of conveying that it is a uh, dimension outside of normal space time. And but I, but I agree with your point that I'm glad they did not belabor Seg being in the Phantom Zone for you know longer than than absolutely necessary because we know he's been in there and they don't really need to spend any more screen time with him being in there. It, right. it in the in the the time that they showed him during the first episode of season 2, it conveyed basically what he's been experiencing the last 6 months. Mm-hmm. I I really liked the the speed of Phantom Zone. Like, not just, like, here Segas, they get out, whatever. But they're the, the constant movement in that area, which, to your point, it really highlights that this is outside of natural space and time. And, and now the question is, did the writers just give away the ending of season two? I mean, what I understood is that moment when Seg is standing there and he sees Elida and he sees Zod strangling her. Mm-hmm. Is that how this season is going to end? Because Brainiac, I believe, is the one who alludes that that's a vision of the future. He did. He did. And also, Zod, I thought you were smart. Doesn't she need to be alive to have you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's our it's our flash paradoxes. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, did you not watch Back to the Future while you were on Earth? I mean, come on, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they did have their Marty McFly moment last season, where they they did uh, have the the cape, Superman's cape, mm-hmm. do the Marty McFly, and then of course it regenerated itself whenever they set a quote the timeline, I guess. Reset the uh, well, timeline, and then well, it was the, I mean, it came the flag of uh, of Zod. So, um, uh, you know, time travel always gives me a headache. Well, I mean, to your point, like clearly the writers are big fans of that f- particular franchise because this is just another thing that they're introducing. Like they're not going to have the cape this season, but this premonition or foreshadowing of events to come and the time paradox that could occur. I mean, I would be curious to know if the writers, if they're doing that on purpose. And so every season you should be on the lookout for a reference to something back to the future related. Yeah, I I think they are. And I think, but also I think this is a very intentional thing to Basically, use those old time travel tropes that we've seen in other other shows, and basically, you know, given that this is a prequel, and we 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 as the viewer knows what is to come, as far as Seg basically having uh, Jor El, and then of course Jor El having Kal El, so all that has been turned upside down in the show now. Because, for example, 
with with Nissa having Vorex, is he somehow is he going to be rechristened Jorel at some point, or is, is Nissa and Seg going to have Jorel, or will Seg and Lythazot and being Jorel's mother? I mean, there's just so many ways that they, they that this this these arcs can go, and I think what right. I like about this show is that okay, we we given that we know what the what what our future is supposed to be, and especially in, in, in this universe, Adam Strange is the person who is the who is the knower of that. I look, you know, again, we don't know. I mean, you're right. That vision that Seg saw in the Phantom Zone could be could be the outcome that will come to pass, mm-hmm. but it could be it could be something completely else. Right. I, you know, another thing that confounded me was all of this grandfather, grandson, grand, great-grandfather stuff that they keep throwing out there. Because I got confused. (laughs) At one point, I seriously wanted to pause the show and sketch out a family tree. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I'll be honest, I don't really know who, like, the the chain, the, the birth chain, the birth order of... What leads us to the end product of of Kal-El? Okay. I don't I don't know that. However, it gets really confusing when you have a child, a literal baby, a newborn, mm-hmm. referred to by a giant older man as, oh, he's my great grandfather. He belongs with me. Creepy. First yeah. of all, very very <laughs> creepy. No, 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 no. Um, and also, how many greats did you add to that? Because um, later on in the episode, I believe Adam refers to Kal-El almost as as Seg's grandson, and I'm like, wait a that's second. That's correct. That, that's correct. Okay, so so did did Zod mess up? I mean, is him being in the past messing with his head or something? Because I could have sworn he referred to the child as his great great grandfather. Um. So. Uh, let's see. So let, let's just get the the L timeline first, as far as family family tree. So Valel is Kyle Superman's great great grandfather. Then Seg is Valel's daughter, married Seg's father, and then Seg is Valel's grandson. Right. And then. Jorel is Seg's son. Okay. And then Kalel is who Superman is Seg's grandson. So yeah, okay. so Valel is Kalel's great great grandfather. Right, I understand that. Yeah. But then why did why did Zod refer to Vorex as being related to Zod when in this reality yeah. Zod and who is who's um so Druzod and Seg are, I mean, Druzod is Seg and Lythazod's son. Right, right. So. The half-brother. So of, the half, yeah. Right. Half-brother of Vorex. Yeah. yeah. Still, I stand by this statement until the listener, like, proves me wrong. I could have sworn he said great, great grandfather. So, yeah. you know, Vorex technically is a kid. It's a child. We protect children. However, it's he's he's unrelated in this family drama. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, 
Well, I know Val. Well, I guess it's Druzad was going to adopt him if Nissa didn't follow his orders to basically try to root out the rest of the resistance. He was he basically going, the future. Right. Well, he yeah. really should not be adopting anyone. <laughs> yeah, he should not be. He's, he's definitely. Yeah, we're definitely into the Avengers Endgame timelines here now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Let's let's jump to another bad, bad guy who we saw a lot of and I will be honest with you when when they introduced Brainiac in the later half of season one he he was creepy like it was his presence that was very oh this is somebody we have to be fearful of and I didn't really understand his character until this episode because that exchange between him and Seg, it's just just underneath my favorite moment of the show beyond um, and, and right above it is the Adam and Seg scenes. But right below it is that whole exchange between Brainiac and Seg and you need me. I need you. So let's do this, even though we're going to always end up fighting each other. I don't think he's dead. No, I don't either. I don't either. I don't buy that for one second. No, <laughs> and either, I think Adam either. is foolish for believing that. <laughs> <laughs> either Brainiac has created like a Brainiac shadow or something of himself that, that actually came out of the Phantom Zone with SAG or somehow, some ways Brainiac is, is alive and we'll, we'll, we'll probably see if not next episode, the third episode where he is, he is back on the, back on the stage and, and, and a major player of events in, in this upcoming season. And Brainiac already alluded to how irrational SAG, SAG's state of mind is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess to an extent it would make sense that SAG would convince himself that, yes, I defeated Brainiac, we can move forward, and I have to find a way to make it back to my friends and family. Yeah, yeah. Because another thing I thought, uh, uh, whenever that scene, when I came upon that scene of, of SAG bludgeoned Brainiac to death, I mean, Brainiac, from what I recall, he has, one, he's technologically advanced too he just has so many tricks up his sleeve it's to your point given seg's compromised mental state it it very well could be a you know brainiac could have done use use some trick whether it's uh mental uh projection even to the point where adam is believing what seg is seeing in his mind Mm -hmm. um of, of him beating Brainiac, uh, to death, um, left a clone of himself or something there. I mean, it could be any number of things. I, I mean, I, I like, I, I like the idea that it is Brainiac taking advantage of Seg's mental state and maybe projecting this image of what Seg thinks he did. Cause you know, whenever Seg, right before they went to the commercial breaks, they let's, let's get this on and they started the fight. Um, you know, that to me, uh, does lend some credence to him taking advantage of Seg's mental state and being able to, uh, make him think that he defeated him. But, um, that, that, that I mean, that was, that was definitely one of the, whenever they were out of the Phantom Zone and Uncle that was definitely one of my favorite scenes of this episode as well. Why do you think the writers chose 
to have them end up on Brainiac's home planet. Out of all the places that they could have gone, gone to, why there? Um, I think it, it gives us some greater depth as far as Brainiac's character, because mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, they touch on the fact that Brainiac's people were very violent and they had wars and and gives. I guess motivations for for why Brainiac does what he what he does, um, and so and then also just for convenience for for Brainiac, um, if he if he does indeed need to go home to to rehatch his scheme of basically being a world collector, uh, you know obviously all the tools and things that he needs are, are there on on his own planet. Um, I'm, I'm going to show my ignorance to this, um, whole comic book situation. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Brainy and Brainiac, mm-hmm. they're technically related. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our brain, Brainiac five from Supergirl is also from Kolu. Okay. And, and, and if you recall, and I actually, I, when I was watching the episode, I, I yep. couldn't help but mm-hmm. think back to, uh, Brainiac five mm-hmm. scenes in, the latter half of Supergirl season, whenever uh, he was captured by the the Children of Liberty. Yep, it's, and, it's the second to the last episode of yep, the season. Yep, and how he alludes to his planet's violent and xenophobic past. Yeah, like uh, my mind immediately went there the moment we got the monologue from Brainiac in this episode, and I was like, okay, I. I now I just want to cross over, but oh well, we'll never get that. <laughs> but we won't, we won't. But it, but again, as we talked about with the first season, how this show helps us appreciate Supergirl even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it 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 does show the 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 wider wider universe and how how this show could easily uh, be related to the Arrowverse. Well, I mean, it might already be creating its own Superman verse, considering even bef- either right after this episode aired or leading up to it, there was speculation that we might be getting a Lobo yeah. spin off series. Yep. And so, I mean, the moment they ended up on that planet, I, w- I was like, oh, Lobo's around. And then we saw the douchebag warning alert go off. Um, I think it was something else, but I, Will doesn't like it when I curse on this show. Oh, I don't mind. Go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, you set it up. Like, uh. um, but I was just waiting for it. And um, he... If, if they make a spinoff show, I won't be surprised because that, that character has got some charisma. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was skeptical at first when I first saw the, the news report that, uh, they were considering a spinoff show, but seeing Lobo in action, in live action. Yeah. This dude could carry, he could carry a show. He could carry a show because for folks, many of folks are, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with Lobo. And, and his history as far as being a mercenary, but, uh, it, just to remind, uh, some, some people who may not be, 
So originally Lobo was was created uh, as a murderous villain in the Superman universe, and then he became kind of an anti-hero. And also, he was also created to sort of poke fun of uh, Wolverine, a Punisher, and some of the Marvel characters who have similar traits. So, and that was on full display in this episode, as far as like the Merc with the mouth attitude of a Deadpool, the the the. The, the, the savage, the physical savagery of Wolverine and the swagger of the Punisher. Um, this may be a reference that Will does not understand. Um, but anybody who's watched Once Upon a Time, I would compare this entrance to the entrance of Hook season two on Once Upon a Time. Um, because of that damn accent. I'm huh. a sucker. I'm a sucker for a character with an accent like that. I'm just like, yep, you keep keep saying dialogue. I've been listening all day. There's and and you say the swag of the Punisher. Uh-uh, no, no, no. Because the Punisher is like is like stealth, and and there's it's not a clumsiness about it. Like there's intention, but yeah. there's also not everything has to be perfect, which Punisher very much, I think because of the um, war background, everything does have to be uniform. There's a bit of OCD in yeah. that character, sure. but with, with this character, it is just natural swagger. I, I don't, I don't know. And the same swagger as hook season two on once upon a time. Huh. I'll take your word for it. I haven't seen it once. I know a lot of people watch that show, but I wasn't one of them. <laughs> I, I I watched because I found out how big of an entrance that character had, and I was real curious. Mm-hmm. And then I got suckered into it, and then I drifted off during the last few seasons. But you know, for a good chunk of it, I was I was right there watching every week. Yeah. Um. You know, before we move on from this from this talking Krypton, I do want to bring up one thing that I thought was, again, and I keep going back to this, but truly, I feel like this episode, this kickoff of season two, like, in in a nutshell, just caught me off guard. And this last bit that really did catch me off guard was how much, how much effort was put in in really making us understand that I think for this season, Lyda and Nyssa have really role reversed Mm. because last season Nyssa and her father, they were conniving. They were, they were playing the political game. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Zod and Lyda have won that game. However, Lyda also has ties to the resistance and she's still like you see it in her eyes and shout out to the actress. She did a good job in this episode where she was she was really cold, but you could still tell in her eyes that there was a moral conflict within her about everything she was doing for her and for her son and for her people. And Nissa at the same time has gone into and fully joined the resistance and, and really wanting to take care of her son, wanting to find SAG and wanting to move forward. But at the same time, she keeps getting sucked back because of her past, because of finding out that you're a clone. Well, well, what does that mean? Like what kind of processing do you have to go through to fully understand? Like you're not the original, but you're still you. And, 
And so I, I think that there was a lot of intention in making it very clear that there's there's been a role reversal, though, between those two characters. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely was the case there. And, you know, thinking about Nyssa and her trying to find herself and, and find her new role in, in, in this, this this world that has been built. Uh, but at the moment when, when Lyta killed Nyssa's father, when he was about to tell her the truth, uh, was a really real evolutionary moment for, for both characters mm-hmm. uh, as far as just fleshing them out and 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 getting to the point that you made about uh, the role reversal this season and 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 then Lita's you know comment to her about basically you know he was just gonna he would just spend a bunch of lies to you I'm paraphrasing but uh, that was you know those were the type of reactions would have been something we would have seen probably flipped in season one. And so I think that definitely shows some role reversal. Also there's some growth in these characters as far as giving them something more to do and, and sort of help drive the narrative for, for this season. Uh, with, with Lyta in particular and seeing her know that, her role now is to basically, you know, basically work with Druzod and, and and build this new Krypton. And the Krypton that we that Druzod is building is pretty much the one that we 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 encounter when we first are introduced to Kal-el and Jor-el and, and when Man is still. I mean, this is how that movie and the show together. She is that that key lieutenant. That he that he is using, she knows, she she still sees the the resistance and the, and the role that she that they played and in, in season one, but I think now she is very convinced that what her son is doing is the right thing to ultimately save this world, and so she's going to do what is necessary to help him do that do that mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, they spent a lot of the first season really focusing on the the duty part of the House of Zod and how that family line, they're because they're the military for Krypton, duty above all else, duty right. for the country, duty uh, for even above your family. So I think that because they spent that that season focusing on that aspect, it didn't make me I wasn't surprised as to how how Lyda came off in this first episode, mm-hmm. because I felt like if she was part of the resistance, that actually would probably not make as much sense considering what house she belongs to. Right, right, right. And and we had those scenes last season with her working with the resistance and realizing, you know, with Jaina, her Jaina saw her mother always questioning duty and, and to your point, how important duty is. And so, yeah, it's just it's just a natural outgrowth of of what we've seen before, and she's basically playing that role that she is destined to play. Yeah. So so again. Like, I'm, I'm glad this show's back. I'm yeah. glad that 
I'm I'm even glad that because last last year I feel like Krypton came out and then when it was starting to wrap up Cloak and Dagger comes out mm-hmm. and I know a few weeks ago we were complaining because we we're like man Cloak and Dagger is done what are we gonna watch and yeah. Krypton swoops in and saves our yes, summer it does <laughs> <laughs> it does I'll, yeah yeah it definitely saves our summer I queried Sarah via DM or are you watching a particular show she's like nope don't, not even planning to so I'm glad that Krypton so far is is uh helping us uh start the summer off well yeah not not to show not to say that like the well is completely dried up but considering the other show we're talking about I can only watch maybe 80% of it actually and actually be focusing on the images because half the time the show just makes me nervous and there's way too much tension for me to actually enjoy myself. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I'm clearly talking about Swamp Thing because there is, you know, you put a few jump scares in the first two episodes and then Sarah suddenly does not want to ever watch the actual scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, uh, this week I was looking away quite a bit myself. So <laughs> it wasn't even that scary of an episode. There was just, no, even was- in the moments when she, she, Abby is like talking to, to her friend. I'm just like, I don't want to watch it because I, I'll listen to it, but I don't want to like watch it. And the next thing I know, somebody jumps out and the bug man gets her. And it's just, yeah. and, and you know, round of applause for the writers because they've clearly have set a tone that is unrelenting. And I don't think the show would be that there's an execution in what they're doing that even though it drives me crazy, it's very well done. It is. It is. And yeah, it's at every, at the end of each episode of this is the third one now. And again, it's just, we, I know we talked about it on our show last week as far as the cancellation and all, but it's just really, truly unfortunate that the show was can't, was canceled and obviously we still have seven more episodes to go but if they continue at the pace that they're going this is going to be one of those series that it's going to be looked at like like many people look at firefly where it was canceled too soon Hmm. well i mean in in with these days or in these days with shows getting canceled picked up by other networks you never know what's going to happen everybody seems to have a a second life in Film and TV, especially if you can prove yourselves. Yeah, except for the tick, but anyway. (laughs) Well, I mean, the tick, what, got two seasons? Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, there's there's some shows like 10 years ago that if you get canceled in their first season, you don't get like any second life. That's my point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true, true. Oh, man. So, So in this episode... It's a slow burn, though. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, they, they're they really, they're taking their time. They're moving about as quickly as Swamp Thing moves. <laughs> that just came to me. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, they're not holding back on the love triangle or the not, melodrama of it all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Even they are forcing, they're still forcing the uh, one episode. One triangle with with uh, with Abby and uh, Henderson, but you know 
I think that's going to uh, that's going to wrap pretty soon, I believe. I just I just love how in this episode they're like, well, clearly the viewers probably are a bit tired of this love triangle with Henderson, so we're gonna have the co- the sheriff who he's always interacting with, and she's warning him that Abby's no good. Well, apparently she and Sunderland used to have a thing. Yep. And. <laughs> And I'm just like, okay, well, then again, it's a small town, you know, beggars can't be choosers. It's a small town. He's a rich, powerful. Well, we, well, and even that, he's not so much a rich, powerful man. He's just a powerful bully who, uh, who basically like conned his way into, into wealth by marrying his wife. Which I thought was fascinating because yeah. I didn't pick up on that prior to this episode. No, usually I didn't there's bigger clues Mm -hmm. and that caught me off guard and I was like oh okay so initially you're introduced to the wife thinking like she's the vengeful grieving mother but really it's it's Sunderland who's playing this this con game of just wanting wealth power and greed you know very much like you could probably do this um, a parallel between his rise and how quickly the accelerant works yeah. and how it just wrecks everything in its path. Mm-hmm. That's a very good parallel, very good parallel. And yeah. And how, yeah, we, I guess we did see elements of his manipulative character, uh, especially the scene we last week with, uh, when Abby went to go visit him at the Southern Sunderland house. But yeah, that was, but him marrying into old money was definitely something that they, that, that is a, was a good plot twist that, that they executed very well. And they are doing a good job with this whole Shauna thread because they do it lightly. Um, they bring her up clearly. They have to, especially whenever the mom, um, is in the, in, on screen because that's her big story point. Um, grieving, grieving mother. But in this episode, I thought I was picking up on maybe Sunderland is actually the cause, the real cause for Shauna's death. And that's why in the previous episode, when Abby went to that house, he, he was still warm and welcoming to her. Because mm-hmm. she is like a prodigal daughter who's returning for him, um, be, and he doesn't hate her for Sean or hate or blame her for Shauna's death. So it makes me think that you know if he's a, if he's such a con man, maybe Shauna figured that out because mm-hmm. we we hear a little bit about Shauna and what she thinks about her her father in in um. In a um, hallucination, would you call it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, and and so so I think he might be tied to that because we we've kind of figured out she d- probably died in that swamp. Yeah. And and I wouldn't be surprised now, especially considering how this how this episode ends with it all coming back to Sunderland and him having even killed his own daughter to to accelerate his power in this town. Yeah, it, it definitely could easily be the case. Uh, I mean, he, he clearly is a very corrupt man and definitely 
will will take go to any means necessary to um, to protect his what he thinks is his. And if she did discover the affair with the sheriff and was willing, you know, was going to expose it, and uh, as a result of that, he lose everything because you know, her mother leaving him. Then yeah, I could easily him easily see him just losing it and as taking her out to the swamp or, or arranging for an accident to happen while she was in the swamp. That was my initial guess. And then that final scene happened and um, where he kills someone, I forget his name, it's the banker, yeah, the banker. And right before he decides to kill him, uh, the banker brings up, I know about the conclave. So I wonder if it's even, if it, it goes beyond just the affair, but it's more that she finds out about the conclave, whatever that is. Yeah, that could be it. That could, yeah, that that was definitely a clue to something bigger. Definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, he could easily kill his wife and just, like, up her life insurance and then, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, like, yeah. As long as he's in the will. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why he's worried he's not, he's, that he's not in the will. <laughs> Well, then he's not a smart con man, okay? We figured it out. (laughs) I'm still, the more I feel like I'm putting together about that whole storyline, I'm still a bit confused about this disease situation, especially the connection between between, um, Swamp Thing and the little girl, and we find out in this episode because another creature is re reanimated yeah. from this from the swamp right. bugman will you call it um and and he's fighting this creature off because he's out to get Lois Lane sorry i meant i, I totally didn't mean abby <laughs> <laughs> not really and and he ends up saying let let him go or release him. Release mm-hmm. him, I think it is. Yeah, release him. Yep. So so, what is the power? Like, what are the rules here? Because it's still very confusing for me. Because we also see another swamp flu victim fall in this episode, but he doesn't seem to have a telekinesis link to to swamp things. So, I mean, what are the rules, Will? We, I think we were starting to get some of the rules established. One, I think when Abby and, and, and Jason, um, were, um, Woodrow was, were in the, in the morgue and they were still, you know, still doing the autopsy and trying to figure out, you know, how this, this works. Uh, I think it's tied to Alex, Alex work as far as when he was doing his research for, for Sunderland. And how this is a living swamp in, in every meaning of the word, as far as being very, have, has a consciousness of, of some sort. Um, as far, and, and, and I guess, I guess whatever to tie it to this, this, this accelerant, maybe that is what helped to create some mutations or whatever in the swamp that basically help it become conscious and, and when it picked Alec to to protect it uh, by you know creating him into into Swamp Thing, 
uh, he, he is now one with the swamp and basically can, as he said, help control his actions because, for example, in the last episode, he did use the, the swamp to basically grab the, 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 the guy and basically rip him apart and, and then, you know, I wasn't clear if the swamp like reanimated him or if Alex grief and of and of you know killing a man caused him to be reanimated hmm. um and the other thing uh too is that was very i think the the most telling thing from this episode was when the whenever they did discover the this, how the disease works as far as the swamp fighting back and so given that obviously with Typically, when you're trying to deal with a patient, you, you do pump them full of antibiotics and stuff. But once they said no, when Alex said, don't fight, essentially don't fight the swamp, and Abby figures it out, well, we need to reverse our, our treatment regimen, then things started to kind of flow and understand that these these things all do all work together. And whatever about, whatever mental link between Susie and and – Alec, it, I think it's tied to Susie's father and whatever hmm. discovery that they, they, that Woodrow actually figures out from doing the examination of, of his body. I, I'm, I love that Woodrow and Abby had a scene in this episode. Woodrow is slowly becoming one of my um, favorite characters on this show. I just think that the actor's doing a really good jo- job and and there's interest he's he doesn't have the most storyline but the way they're utilizing him i think is really effective and last week we made comics um or we speculated about his relationship with his wife and what that would mean for the future especially because in the books it seems like he does transform into more of a bad guy in this whole storyline well in this episode there's already something wrong with her. Mm-hmm. There's something going on with her memory. There, there's which you know just adds to my theory. The woman is not going to make it out of season one, <laughs> <laughs> which means because there's no season two, she's going to be in oblivion. <laughs> she's going to be, yeah, yeah. But to, yeah, but to your point, something's going to happen to her, which that's going to be the catalyst that sets him over. It always does. Well, well, see, it could either be that now, but now because of this scene where she forgets her pills, it's making me think, hmm, he may suddenly take take note from Sunderland and want to speed up the recovery process and want to prevent her from forgetting him, prevent her from forgetting their their love for one another, making him do unethical and probably some a decision to use the accelerant on her or to to protect her in a way that hasn't been tested. So I I think that there's gonna be the and it's, I don't know which way the writers are going to go, but I am intrigued to figure it out and find out which way they end up going. Um, but but clearly they are setting things in motions in motion for Woodrow to get his hands dirty. Definitely, definitely. Um, what else? The, there was a weird scene 
and I don't really know like why this is needed, what it has to do with the story, why everybody in this town needs to be obsessed with Abby. <laughs> we we encounter Daniel again who <laughs> owns the building where Alex's place um was located and he's interacting with the seer. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm calling her. Yeah. And I think I, saw, I think I read somewhere her name is Zanadu. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer the seer. I like the seer as well. <laughs> Swamp seer. Yeah. Um, and it, she does some fortune telling. Mm-hmm. And he he's now been convinced that his future success lies in making Abby fall in love with him. Did I understand what happened correctly? I I, I was I, I think that might be the case. I honestly, when I saw that scene, I was trying to figure out, make out what what was going on there too. I I I, I really don't know. I, I, Sorry, mm-hmm. listeners. I, I can't help you there. <laughs> the cards, as they say, remain unclear. Yeah. The future remains unclear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I guess but I'm still trying to. But this to do like to your base point, what what is his real purpose in, in this show other than basically being the outsider who's trapped in this small town and can't get out? I forgot about him. <laughs> like, that's how like, much. Even it's that like, trope isn't working for me. Yeah, it's just like, are we going to have some sharks show up all of a sudden and have the Sharknado meet Swamp Thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm just stuck on the actor and being like, really? They cast Ian Zering as? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, and I, also, they don't really need another character to embody that because Abby herself used to be a girl trapped in a small town wanting to get back. Nathan clearly is a character who's trapped in a small town wanting to get out, but has also set up his his life there. So I don't feel like they need another one. I just, the writers are setting up for another opportunity for Abby to find herself in some hot water and Swamp Thing to come in and save the day. Yeah. They are, they are, but I don't think Daniel has any malevolent uh, things towards Abby. Uh, I think he he is critical, and maybe he has some um, knowledge. Maybe he's been around for a while, so maybe he is going to be tied to how we find out more about uh, Shauna's death and and how it ties to to, to the to Mr. Sutherland, Sunderland, and Abby. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. he just has some deep. Maybe he and maybe he is that person who who could, will help tie all these threads together, and 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 that's probably why he is still stuck in that town. Yeah, I mean, that is it is interesting that they are very much to flesh out this town. We're seeing, we're understanding motivations for why some of these people, even though Abby left, mm-hmm. most people stay. And why is that? Especially if it's um, slowly but surely being invaded by a swamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was 
I don't. I like this episode. I think I like this episode more than I did last week. Yeah. And um, the elements that we really just went over, as long as they continue those minus Daniel, <laughs> I I'm 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 sick sticking on board. I yeah. mean, I've seen worse things. Um, I have a question though. Yeah. So so prior to getting on tonight. You had me watch the Pennyworth trailer. Yeah. Is the Pennyworth going to be on Fox or is it going to be on another it, channel or is it going to be on the DC Universe site? It is actually going to be on Epix. It's a cable movie channel. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, uh, will Pennyworth be tied to the new Joker movie? I, you know, given that... It, we, we've had two things now where we, we're starting to see more of Thomas Wayne be mm-hmm. a focal point of the story beyond just being killed, but actually being actively engaged. So Pennyworth is set in the 1960s London. So, and it obviously is focusing on Alfred as uh, set up a security firm. So it is possible. I, I bring it up because... I just watching that trailer, I couldn't help but think about how similar of an aesthetic that show appears to be in comparison to the Joker trailer aesthetic. Like, if you told me that these two, these characters were all in the same universe, I'd be like, I buy it. And I think that the person doing the cinematography for this should just continue um, because yeah. it's very stunning visually. It is. it is. Well, you know, the the cinematography and aesthetics for the Joker trailer was 1970s New York. So it's mm-hmm. very possible that these two shows are tied. The show yeah. and the movies are tied together in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, given that this, uh, this series is one where we're exploring Al- Alfred as a as a security manager for Thomas Wayne and what we've known, what we know of the Joker movie so far that Thomas Wayne does play a, a, a role in it. I don't know if it's pivotal or not, but definitely does play a role. It, it, they could well very well be related and it could be a, a, a lead in into it, or it could just be a very in, independent, but I, I'm hoping this, I'm hoping it's your, your point, whereas they're somehow connected. Yeah, I I didn't realize how much Thomas Wayne we were going to get with Pennyworth because I'd heard about this show and the way people were describing it is we're going to find out essentially what led up to Pennyworth being recruited by Thomas Wayne and how he is able to do what he does and still be a butler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because the man does have some skills, even in old, yeah. old age. Yeah, he does. He does. And, and, we, and you know, of course, in the Nolan trilogy, Alfred's background as far as being with SAS and was was fleshed out more, at least live action, than it has been in other other mediums. Other other well, not other mediums, but other prior um, live action Batman. Yeah, and and then with this trailer, it caught me off guard because I was not expecting for them to immediately jump into like 
Pennyworth does some stuff and then instantly gets recruited by Thomas Wayne. And you start to we're we're going to learn why even after death, Pennyworth feels so, so tied to that family, mm-hmm. so tied to protecting that legacy, which is really intriguing. Um, the actor who they hired to pay Pennyworth, um, he he appears to be a good, solid lead for a series. Yeah. Um, he, he appears to be believable. They're, they are taking the the typical, I'm a pacifist. Oh, but I can hit people too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like violence. Oh, let me beat you up when I need to defend myself. I, I, I get kind of bored when they brought up that point. Um, but I'm all, I'm going to reserve final, final, um, approval for when I see like a more thorough understanding about the, the chemistry between who they hired to pay Pennyworth and who they hired to play Thomas Wayne, because that chemistry, like what we're talking about with Sag and Adam, Mm -hmm. that really needs to be interesting and palpable for the show to work, especially with how quickly they are pairing up those two characters. Definitely. Definitely. I will say this trailer before I was on the, I was very meh about uh, a Pennyworth show, but this trailer actually did its job for me in that, okay, I, I, now color me intrigued because I am and I'm, I may give it, I think I'm gonna give it a shot. See what, see how it, see how it is. Well, I think a lot of us were skeptical when they said, hey, let's do a show about Cal L's great great grandfather all set in Krypton because mm-hmm. that's what the people want and need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And clearly they've made that work. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I watching the, this trailer really helped sway my opinion. And even looking at how well Krypton is doing, um, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm more, I'm more inclined to trust DC shows at this point yeah. than I am to trust DC movies. Drop the mic. And that's it for us tonight, people. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow and Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>